For more than two years, President Jair Bolsonaro was a man without a party. Elected in 2018 representing the Social Liberal Party, he quickly fell out with the group and cut ties. The plan was then to start his own far-right party, but that proved much harder than he expected. But that presidential party inertia could not last forever. Brazilian politics does not allow for independent candidacies. This week, after much comings and goings, Bolsonaro has found a new home in an arrangement that will help shape Brazil's political landscape for 2022 and beyond. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Ninguém faz nada sozinho. E tudo pode acontecer. O futuro a Deus pertence. After failing to convince most political parties to take a chance on him in the 2018 election, Jair Bolsonaro found safe harbor in the Social Liberal Party, or the PSL. At the time, it was one of Brazil's smallest parties, having next to no political muscle in Congress. But Jair Bolsonaro was a phenomenon. Not only did he win the presidency, but he helped elect scores of PSL lawmakers, giving the party the biggest bench in the House overnight. Having a large share of congressional seats comes with its perks in Brazil, where parties cannot seek private donors. Instead, each political group gets part of a publicly financed partisan fund split according to the size of their bench in Congress. And as he was the main reason for the PSL's newfound success, Bolsonaro felt entitled to control these funds. But Brazilian political parties do not just have leaders and figureheads, they often have formal owners. And Bolsonaro fielded with the PSL's top brass. He then tried to create his own party, but the project never took off. To start a new party, electoral rules require gathering hundreds of thousands of signatures and support from all over the country, an effort that demands tremendous organization. Left without many options, Bolsonaro began negotiating with parties from the so-called Big Center, a federation of mildly conservative parties which lend their support to any government as long as they get the right amount of pork in return. Eventually, he landed at the Liberal Party, a group that has changed names multiple times during its history, often to clean up an image deeply associated with corruption scandals. Beatriz Hay is an SNF Agora Visiting Fellow at Johns Hopkins University and an APSA Congressional Fellow. She also writes every two weeks for the Brazilian Report. Beatriz, thanks for joining us. So, for people who are not familiar with the often unintelligible soup of Brazilian political parties, what is the Liberal Party? What does it stand for? And what is its role in Brazilian politics? That is a very good question, Gustavo. And before I answer it, I just want to remind our listeners that Brazil's party system is uh, highly fragmented. We have 33 parties right now, which probably puts us with the highest uh, amount of parties in, in the world, uh, I think. So the PL is part of what we call the Big Center, which is a conjunction of conservative rentier parties that have right now the majority in the House of Representatives. And I just want to explain that um, when I say conservative party, I don't mean that, th that the PL has a coherent ideology or a coherent party program. What I mean is that it is more to the right in relation to other parties based on how it acts on Congress. 
But the PL is really a non-programmatic party. It, 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 it is not a party that comes from a policy-oriented tradition. What it does, it, it's try, it tries to get to power, to stay in power, to extract resources from the state or to uh, obtain cabinet positions. It's, it's part of that big, big group of parties that we have in Brazil that is not really policy-oriented or programmatic, how, how we call it in political science. In that sense, and that's what I wrote uh, for the Brazilian report, when the announcement came, I think that the PL is really, it represents the limitations of our party system. It's, it's the it's a party that really represents that. And the fact that Bolsonaro is joining it, uh, I think, speaks to the times and the crisis in our party system, because it also is involved with uh, corruption. Uh, it has a long history of involvement with corruption. Uh, again, it's not policy oriented. So I think it's an odd choice for Bolsonaro, for sure. But despite its flaws and limitations, the Liberal Party holds one of the biggest benches in Congress. I mean, the party has a lot of allies, but none of them want to be in the same picture as the party's leaders. Take Bolsonaro, for example. He forbade the press from attending the event celebrating his move to the Liberal Party. How come a party that is, has such a tarnished reputation manages to be so powerful? Well, because of the, what we call the owners of the parties, right? First of all, the, as you've said yourself, you have a big, the PL is highly represented in, in the, in the Congress right now. But, uh, this, this stems from the, the, how powerful the, the owner of the party is, right? And, uh, the person with, that was negotiating the entrance of, um, Bolsonaro was Valdemar Costanet, who was, uh, convicted for corruption in, on the Mensa loan scandal. So he remains extremely powerful uh, in Brazilian politics uh, for his own party. So you, what you have in Brazil is a lot of these parties that one, the owner of the party retains a lot of power over the fate of the party, what the party does, what the party doesn't do. So it's hard. That's what, another reason why it's so hard to reform the party system, because you have a lot of party owners with concentrating power within their own parties. So that's how, right? If you would have a party merge, for instance, like if the PL were to merge itself with another party, then Valdemar Costaneta would be forced to share power, right? But then you need the institutional reforms uh, to do that. In that way, I was really surprised that uh, the PL agreed to abide by all of Bolsonaro's demands to join the party. I, I really thought that they wouldn't, but they must be very interested in the money that they're going to get from having more representation in Congress. And Bolsonaro's move to the Liberal Party almost didn't work out, right? We know that the president forced the party to give up on many of its commitments with other groups to give priority to Bolsonaro's favorite candidates. Apparently, one of these conditions is that the PL will launch infrastructure minister Tarcísio de Freitas for governor of Sao Paulo, or at least for a Senate seat. Now, that's a lot to compromise for a candidate who is flagging in the polls. What is the upside for the liberal parties just to elect enough uh, congressional candidates in order to have a bigger chunk of the partisan fund? Yes, I think so. I think that um, even if Bolsonaro performs badly in the polls, um, even Bolsonaro is not elected, he's going to bring a lot of votes in the legislature with him, right? And what they're interested in is the, the electoral funds, right? Uh, and the bigger the size of the party inside of Congress, the more money you get. Again, this is not a policy-oriented party. This is a party that is interested in money, in spoils, in rents. Therefore, that's that's their goal 
right? They're looking for that. But it's interesting to see, and I, I, that I, again, I was just very surprised because you have the party owner, which in this case is uh, Neto, but you also have the local owners, right? And and Bolsonaro was able to kind of ban everybody to what he wanted. So they must think that they're going to get more people elected to Congress. And the benefits of that, uh, even if Bolsonaro loses, I think are good for them. Now, the PL is one of the parties which masters the craft of getting vote magnets for congressional elections, which by our proportional representation system will help them build a bigger caucus. It's like if a party has 10% of the votes for Congress within the state, it gets 10% of the seats up for grabs. And if just one candidate gets those 10%, it works out the same way. I remember in 2010 and 2014, the Liberal Party launched a clown, like literally a clown, for Congress. Sou candidato a deputado federal. O que é que faz o deputado federal? Na realidade, eu não sei. Mas vote em mim, que eu te conto. Vote no Tiririca. Pior do que tá, não fica. And he ended up having 1.5 million votes, uh, give or take, and helped the PL become one of Brazil's biggest parties in Congress. Uh, that's pretty much what the PL wants with Bolsonaro, with a few tweaks, right? Uh, so first, I want to just clarify the the presidential elections and Senate elections uh, are not open proportional representation system. Those are majoritarian elections. What open proportional representation uh, system, we use that for the House, for elections for the House. But in all cases, I think what ends up happening is that if you have a vote, a vote magnet, you can pull votes from people who vote for the president, they associate. So for instance, let me put it in uh, more simple terms. So if if I'm gonna if I'm going to vote for Bolsonaro being from the Liberal Party, I have no idea who I'm gonna vote for for the House or for the Senate. I'm just going to vote for somebody from his party, right? Um, that is very common in Brazilian politics. That's how a lot of people vote because it's so costly for people to find out who they have to vote for for the House or for the Senate. So you people ended up using the party of the president or the governor, when you're talking about local elections, as a cue to inform their own voting for other uh, electoral offices. In the House, you have the particularity of having an open proportional representation system with an electoral quotient that basically, if you're able to, for instance, you're referring to the clown, right? We had a clown called Chiririca in one of our parties that was elected as a representative in the House. Because he makes he brings like a million votes or more than a million votes, he, he pulls more people because of this formula that we use in the electoral system that we use. He pulls more people from this party that he's running with to be elected with him, right? It, it is bad if you think about just in terms of clowns. You have other organizations in Brazilian society who use this voting magnet uh, strategy. So, for instance, it's very common for parties to also approach pastors because they bring a lot of votes from the churchgoers, right? Or parties approach members of the police force because they bring a lot of votes from police corporations. So that that's how it works in the House and, and for the national elections and Senate elections. It, it, it ends up happening in just a different way. That, by the way, is how you get some representatives in Congress who, despite being in non-programmatic parties, are policy-oriented because they come with a different base 
uh, electoral base other than the party. And having a big group like that, also not, it's all, it's interesting because of the electoral fund, but it's also interesting to, for instance, block or approve whatever they want to uh, maintain their grip over power, right? I don't think they have a policy agenda, but they do have an agenda of trying to save themselves. We just saw it yesterday. Congress approved a new, like a new rule for the secret budget, which basically preserves all the corruption that may have happened with the, the, the negotiation of this budgetary amendment. So there's, there is a huge chunk of politicians in Congress that they're just trying to protect themselves. And they don't really have an ideological agenda, but they, they want to do what they want and just make sure that they can, can keep doing what they want. And I think having a big party caucus in the Congress would, would help them with that. And what does that change, Bolsonaro joining the Liberal Party? What does it make to the political chessboard going into next year's election? I think that all of my calculations uh, changed when uh, former Judge Moro joined the contest, right? We don't know. I think Bolsonaro's popularity is really, really low. And I think that if the economic situation is doesn't get better, which doesn't look like it anytime soon, I think Bolsonaro is entering this election extremely weak. However, that said, we know how Bolsonaro runs elections and how he can use the internet machine to his benefit, right? And we still are dealing with a highly polarized electorate. And when I say polarized, I just want to make the clarification that I'm not talking about the polarization that we have here in the U.S. Uh, it's not party polarization. I think we're much more in an effective polarization in terms of who hates the PT and who loves the PT. So I, I do think that Lula will be a strong candidate, but I don't know what's going to happen to the part of the electorate that voted for Bolsonaro because they were fed up with corruption and they didn't want to vote the PT because now they have another option, which is Moro. So I think we uh, we have to, to watch, wait more. I think it's too early too, yeah. Now you mentioned the owner of the Liberal Party, a man called Valdemar Costa Neto, who served time for corruption a decade or so ago. Now President Bolsonaro has always portrayed himself as an anti-corruption zealot. Will getting into bed with Costa Neto further corrodes Bolsonaro's already low popularity figures? Quando o couro comer para valer, se vocês vão se deixar seduzir por discurso do centrão ou se vão se manter firme e forte Bolsonaro? Or do his voters even care about it and just want to be with Bolsonaro no matter what? I think that there is a part of the, his supporters that will do whatever he wants, no matter what. And we saw that here in the United States with Trump, too. There are the other people, though, who are not core supporters. But there is this issue in Brazilian politics right now, Gustavo, that I think Bolsonaro, unfortunately, was able to do a good job with. That is refining, redefining what corruption means, right? The scheme by which... uh his sons were accusing of which he, which his sons are being accused of in which they receive their salary in Congress and redistribute to other people and get the money back uh, that we know as hashajinhas. A lot of people don't see that as corruption. They they equate corruption with the big Mensalão scandal in which the PT was involved. And <laughs> they forget that almost all other parties were involved, but th that's what sticks with people, right? So I think for those people... I think they might believe that Bolsonaro is not corrupt, even if he joins. 
a corrupt party, which it, I, I can't make sense of it rationally. But if you look at politics through emotion, I think you can understand how the fear. And I think here you have like the corruption being associated with the PT and the fear, the fear of the PT coming back to power and believing that Bolsonaro is not corrupt, like all plays into uh, supporting him again, right? But I do think that there is a part of the electorate that, and I'm here I'm talking about the people who before voting for Bolsonaro voted for Lula, for instance. Those people, I think, would that's where I'm, I have questions about whether they would go with Bolsonaro again or more. Um, but yes, I think there are some people who, who don't perceive corruption in the way that they perceive it as coming from the Workers' Party, if that makes sense. Now, Bolsonaro's reasoning is that he single-handedly helps a party to become a major electoral juggernaut. So it is not unreasonable for Bolsonaro to want more of a say with how the party will deal with its funds, right? I mean, I'm not talking whether the funds are going to be siphoned, just the legitimate part of it to which campaigns are going to be financed, what is going to be the party's strategy. I mean, it's not unreasonable, is it? I don't think so. But it's a very odd situation, right? Because you have a party that already exists in in this is by the way, this is how broken the party system is and and this works for elections. Uh it, it's the same way in the in congressional elections, right? They are all the parties are always trying to get candidates who bring them the most amount of votes no matter what these candidates bring, right? You see that uh, a lot in our open proportional representation system. I don't think it is crazy from his part to want to control. The, the problem is that there is already a party structure that he's going to have to grapple with. And, and that is the owner of the party and the local owners of the parties. And that's the part that it's going to require him to use some negotiation skills and, and be a politician, which I'm not so sure he's good at. So Bolsonaro originally wanted to start his own far-right political party. Do you think that's still in the cards for him? Do you think we'll see a repeat of what happened with the PSL, with Bolsonaro dumping the Liberal Party shortly after the election, win or lose? I think there is a big chance that we'll see that. That's, that seems to be his pattern uh, with all of his allies. Uh, yeah, the moment that he doesn't see benefit in dealing with people or institutions he just uh, he dumps them but that said i want to say that i think he probably and as if he acts <laughs> rationally to a minimum he probably learned with the experience of trying to create this party uh so rationally i would expect him to try to build this uh extreme right party within the pl maybe merging with another party that would be the easier route for him. However, since he is a man of extreme emotions, I wouldn't be surprised if after the election, if he is reelected, for instance, he just <laughs> ditches the party and stays unaffiliated with the party for most of the time, as, as it has happened uh, within this tenure, right? Beatriz Hay is an SNF Agora Visiting Fellow at Johns Hopkins University and an APSA Congressional Fellow. She also writes every two weeks for the Brazilian Report. If you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. 
where you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.